Welcome to The Speech Link. I'm your host, Sharp Oshart, and I invite you to listen and learn practical strategies from experienced experts to take your therapy to the next level. Getting a child to say a good er sound is one thing, but getting them to use it consistently is another. Now, you know the easy R program for getting the er, but what about generalization? Well, what about the new R speech practice audios? Kids love to practice them and you quickly access them via QR codes. Go to speechdynamics.com to take advantage of the 40% off sale price. Do it now. Hello. Before we get started, I do need to mention disclosures. And regarding financial disclosure, Megan receives an honorarium for this podcast from speechtherapypd.com. I also receive an honorarium for the speech link. And I am a presenter also for speechtherapypd.com and receive royalty payments. And I also own Speech Dynamics. Regarding non-financial disclosures, Megan is a board member of the Children's Literature Council of Southern California, and I have no non-financial disclosures. So there we go. There we have it. I would like to officially welcome you to our live SpeechLink podcast, sponsored, of course, by SpeechTherapyPD.com. And I want to welcome you to The Art of Accessing and Applying Amazing Materials and Activities from the Library. And you are more than welcome to participate. Just type in your question or comment into the chat, and one of us will read it, and our esteemed guest will respond. I'm Char Beauchart, your speech-language pathologist host, where our goal here is to connect and link with outstanding professionals in our field. And we're going to dig in and discover lots of practical information tonight so that we can improve what we do and so that our clients and our students will improve what they do. And to help us do that tonight, my guest is Megan Panettiere, M-A-C-C-C-S-L-P. She attended undergraduate school for language studies in linguistics, French, and Japanese, actually, at the University of California, Santa Cruz. She graduated in 2001. She earned her graduate degree in communication disorders and sciences from California State University, Northridge, in 2006. Now, before her college career in 1999, she lived in France and taught English there through CIEP, which is the Culture and Intensive English Program. Then, between her undergrad and grad in 2002, she lived and taught English in Japan through JET, J-E-T, the Japan Exchange and Teaching Program. Very cool. Currently, Megan is a speech-language pathologist at AUSD, the Los Angeles Unified School District, and a board member of the Children's Literature Council of Southern California, CLCSC. She frequents her local libraries with her five-year-old daughter and writes a practical newsy blog at publiclibraryjourney.com, where the tagline is A to Z, Baby and Me public library journey. She has a recent blog offering on that website called Public Library, the Hidden Gems of Your Neighborhood. Welcome to the speech link, Megan. Thank you, Char. 
I'm delighted to be here. Oh, me too. I'm so excited that you're here. So we have an hour here, and you have lots of information to share with us. And I'd like to sort of set the stage by asking you, and I know, obviously, that you enjoy language and languages, and you enjoy literacy and books and so on, and you probably want the same thing for your daughter. But specifically, how did you get into frequenting the libraries? What was your motivation? Right. So I I was never really someone who went to the library a lot, hmm. but I had friends that would go and it gave me the idea. When I had my daughter in 2016, I only worked part-time for LA Unified and I had a lot of time on my hands. And I decided how fun would it be to explore Los Angeles and check out lots of books and spend our time doing something fun and kind of also a learning experience for my daughter. And I just decided one day while scrolling Twitter, talking with people, that maybe we should just visit every library branch. Let's just do it. We'll go in order of branch numbers. So we had a plan and I just decided, okay, we're doing this. And we went. The first time was in April 2017. Wow. So she wasn't very old. No, she had just turned one. She was 12 months old when we went to our first library branch and Central Library. Central Library in Los Angeles. Los Angeles Public Library is separate from LA County Library. There are so many library systems. And I wanted everyone right now while they're listening or watching to Google, open Google and look for your closest library branch and see, start there. See where it is. Mm-hmm. See how or close look at, it is. Look yeah. at my blog, of course, Public Library Journey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, you know, when I first read about it, I thought, oh, yeah, okay. You know, we're going to go and we're going to check out books and, you know, and I thought, well, okay, that would be nice. And, you know, when I was a child, we went to the library all the time and my mother didn't drive. And so we bought a tandem bike, you know, and two people on a bike. And so I was on the front, you know, crazy. My mother trusted me (laughs) and she was on the back and we biked. Oh, it was probably maybe three quarters of a mile. And we biked to the library frequently. I mean, like a lot, probably at least maybe two times a week. And it was really good exercise, but it was something that she and I could do together and and to get out of the house and so on. And she didn't, you know, she couldn't drive. And so. And it's something for a lot of us who need something free to do and somewhere to go where you don't have to buy a ticket. You don't have to make a reservation. I mean, things are a little different during COVID, but on a whole, yeah. no, a library is your public community space where you can go, you can sit and just sit. So it's not demanding and anyone, any age, you just have to have a birth date to get a library card, which I learned while going around with her. You know, I'm still learning about libraries. I didn't know a lot going in and, you know, you just, you learn by doing. Wow. You know, I know talking with you, there's so much that I don't know about libraries. 
And I'm thinking that maybe I'm not alone. And it's more than just going to the library and checking out a book. And, you know, I think it goes way beyond that. So, okay, so you did it just as an activity, as something free and for the both of you to do, which I think is a wonderful thing to do. Anybody can do it. So let's look at from an SLP standpoint, and literacy certainly is in our scope of practice. And I know that, I mean, I have a definition of of literacy, or at least I think of it as you know, something that has to do with reading and writing and verbalizing and, you know, the whole communication piece, but it's probably beyond that. What is your impression and your definition of literacy? I mean, when you look at the American Speech and Hearing Association, the definition is, you know, the ability to read and write. And what I take that as, as, you know, it's communication. We communicate verbally we have expressive language, we have a receptive language. I see reading and writing as core communication skills. I think about my AAC users, augmentative alternative communication. Sometimes the written and reading forms of communication are the only way someone communicates. So it's not an optional piece of our, our scope. It's a big part. And a lot of students I work with in Los Angeles Unified are students that a lot of students cannot read well, and that is a big part of their communication disorder. And what I find a lot is that parents need tools. And when you describe our field, which is so great, we forget that we can work with other people, that we, you know, we can ask for help. And parents need more than just us, more than 30 minutes or 60 minutes a week in a group. The parents need carryover where they can practice this same sort of communication. It's just communication in print form, which is huge in the world we live in. We have to be able to communicate in print form. I mean, look at all the texting going on or, I mean, even computer games where lots of students I know with Roblox and Minecraft, you have to type things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are, I mean, this goes beyond access to academic curriculum. It is how we function in the world. Yes, it is. And we forget that these libraries are right down the street and that can help us. Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, you know, you've got this building that you can go to, but I also know that you can access things online. And so I want to talk about both of them. And, you know, what we can do and how we can use them and how we can, you know, impact our kids in therapy, but also share that information with the parents. I think that's really, really important. But back to the literacy piece and our scope of practice and so on. I know that a lot of or some therapists, you know, sort of are aversive to the reading piece. And, you know, that that's not part of our our scope of practice. I do not consider myself a reading teacher. But if a child can decode but is not comprehending or cannot process it or not remember it or reflect back and verbalize what they just read, then, you know, that's kind of where I come in. And 
going to the library or getting books or any of the other things that you're going to be talking about, it seems like that would be a really great opportunity to build on the language information and also stimulate a love for words so that they want to do more of it. Have you kind of found that as well? Well, and so much of our job as a speech language pathologist is creating communication opportunities, right? We do that in the therapy room. We do that if you're at the hospital, you do that there. If you do it in the clinic, you're creating communication opportunities. And what I find is that children and adults need naturally occurring tools. So when they come in to say, if I'm pulling a student into my room, yes, sometimes flashcards are good or a worksheet, things like that. But a book is something that is real, something that they can get, probably have in their house. Reading print together is something that is natural. So when you get, when I have a book, even just having things around, like I have books up on the board in my room or out on the table, it sparks conversation. That alone, just changing the environment, having things present, which also when you're letting parents know that the library is there, you're giving them tools and you're giving them power to bring those tools into the house so they feel like they can do this too, because they can. They know their kid. Their their child is in their house most of the day. We're only with them a little bit. But just having the tools out, you know, sparks a discourse of, oh, I see that book on the board. There's a dinosaur. You have kids saying what it is. I haven't seen that before. When did you get that? They're starting to ask questions. And it just, it just, it creates opportunities. Yes. And I just... I have not found a better tool to use and simple. I think a lot of times we complicate things. Like you think literacy, you think I need to get, I don't know, something specific. Like a program or something. Yes. Yeah. Which we do. We get stuck in that and we forget that's, it's too complicated. And yes, maybe that can work at some point, but let's start at the basics. Let's start at experiences and environment. We're just having tools present and getting kids used to seeing books, not as, not even as therapy or, but as fun Mm -hmm. and as something, I mean, I even beyond books from the library and that sparks, I have things like, like a lot, I usually have a water bottle or something. I mean, you can work on literacy skills. I mean, that's just like emergent literacy skills as identifying the letters. And sometimes kids say, oh, that's an S on, you know, your sparkling bottle of water. Just getting them, you're playing, even games that you might have in your room, get it, like, take advantage of the packaging, the packaging, or even if they might have their backpack with them, they might have the name written on their backpack or their jacket, or something might be on their shirt. Like incorporate everything. Yeah. Like everything's a tool. Yeah. See, and that sounds like really good advice for parents too. And I'm sure that you have planted seeds with your parents and encouraged them to go to the library, either online or in person. Do you have kind of a hierarchy that you use to kind of share with the parents to sort of ease them into it? Like you just mentioned, okay, you know, 
check out and find your library. That's probably step number one. Yeah. <laughs> number <Step> two, <laughs> go get a library card. There are a couple of them. Yes. So we're just, I just want basics because when there's too many things, they don't do it because it's overwhelming. There's too many things. And it's not just parents, it's other speech pathologists. I've done some in-services to encourage other SLPs, teachers to get a library card and use it. Just what a great way for us to get therapy tools that teach different things, that teach time. Like I have this book or this magazine or this CD for three weeks. And when that time is up, we have to return it, which can be hard for some students that want to do the same thing every week. But when we talk about it's almost you're helping them become part of a community and a society, being a citizen where you can check something out and you can use it and know that you have to take care of it because it's not yours. You're borrowing it. And then when we're done after however long, three weeks, an actual physical book, we have to return it. And in, and it's probably similar in most library systems that in a specific library system, you can probably return it to any branch within that system. So when Riley and I, my daughter, we, when we went to all these branches, which started as a great idea and then got, it just got hard because it's, it was a lot of driving, but it was worth it. And we could return books to any branch, but kids learn that there's a timepiece and, you know, executive functioning that there's a date where we have to return this and someone else can borrow it or we can get it again. And it also brings in questions like, if you really like this book, you can check it out again, or maybe even you can buy it someday if you really love it that much. And it's a great way to try things out. Yeah. And there are other things that you can check out at the library. I mean, it doesn't have to yes. be a book, right? Yes. What other things are available there? Let's just sort of jump in there. And I know that these are things that you would share with the parents. And then also you would implement in your therapy as well. And so I want to get to the therapy as well piece. But let's talk about collaborating with the parents because so many times I feel like, okay, I have to do my language activity and I have to do like vocabulary enrichment and I, I've got to work on the syntax and, you know, here comes the grammar and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm hard pressed to generate homework, but I need to do that. I need to encourage the language interaction at home. And so I can say, mm -hmm. okay, parent, here's what we're working on. But then I can also say, hey, try the library and here are some things that you can do and check out and, you know, see what activities that are there and so on. So what else do we tell that parent? So this is it's kind of like you're giving secret homework that it's they don't see it as homework. Right. OK. Where I don't usually give homework out because I just don't. But. I recommend visiting the library because it's fun. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a great article from Sherry Robertson called There's a Book for That. Yes. It's great. She's amazing. PhD. It's through the ASHA Leader sure. 
She was ASHA. If you don't have access to it, I can email you. She was ASHA president a couple of years ago. Yeah, she's a great gal. I I have followed her work for years. I really like her. She's very practical oriented. I mean, I've, you know, enjoyed her, her thoughts and her information, even on doing readers theater. And I'm a huge readers theater type person. But yeah, so I really like her. So yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, and that she talks about, you know, they're convenient, they're no cost if you're going to the library, there's no screen. So when I recommend parents, so in most IEP meetings, I bring up to parents to work on any speech and language skill to frequent your local branch. I even, before a meeting, I figure out where the closest branch is. I give them that information. Mm -hmm. You give them where the closest branch is, whether you're in a hospital or a school or clinic, figure out where it is and start going, see what's going on. When I was in Sun Valley, I went to the library. I talked to the librarians, figured out when story times were. And Lots of things that are happening at the library are different right now because of COVID-19, but there are lots of online services as well. So everything that usually was in person is now on Zoom or online somehow, either Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. Check out every library and almost every library branch has a channel that you have full access to librarians reading or doing songs or reading a book to a dog. But I really encourage parents, because sometimes parents, they're worried because maybe they speak another language, or maybe they don't read very well. At libraries, you can get books in your native language. Most libraries carry whatever that community, say maybe there's lots of Spanish speakers, or maybe there's lots of Mandarin speakers, the library is really catered to the community. So Good. those materials are available in native tongues. You know, you can read to your child or your grandchild in the language you feel most comfortable with because you're creating that joint attention. And that time that you're reading with your child or grandchild, you're creating love, you're creating trust, you're all these things on top of the language skills that you're going for, those are they're just benefits. Sure. It's sneaky therapy. <laughs> sure. Because lots of times parents, you know, I work with kids that don't live with their parents or they live with a grandparent or multiple generations and different languages. And the library really helps the family find materials, whether that be a book, whether that be a magazine or a newspaper or some places you, I don't know if during COVID it might be different, but you can check out games like board games. There are community gardens that you can do with a family member. There's dance. Part of it is even just getting the child in the library where maybe the adult wants to become a citizen. So there's citizen classes at some, there's resources at different libraries, and that gets the parent in, and then the child can kind of wander and and find books on their own, right? Where it's, oops, oh, well, I brought you here. Oh, you found a book? That's great. Were you meant to do that? But if you go with a purpose and bring someone along, they think they're doing it on their own, and you let them get whatever they want, whether that's a comic book 
or an audiobook. And all of these things are, are physical materials, but there are also the digital materials online too that are available, which can be very helpful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before we go on to that, can I ask you, so, you know, that, that brought up something. Do you give them an option of, okay, I want you to find a book about your favorite animal. I want you to find a book about blah, blah, blah. Do you set it up that way? Are you just, it's best for them to just get a book that they find and that they like? Yes. I think just half the win is getting them there okay. or getting them on to the website if they're getting a digital copy. Okay. It's just getting them interested to even look. And maybe we're talking about something in therapy or a friend of theirs brings something up and maybe I say, why don't you try to find something about that? But some, I think part of the magic of the library for me is going and seeing what librarians have put out because there are so many books. And I found that out by visiting all 73 LA public libraries. That's amazing. There are so many and even someone that goes a lot, I'm barely cracking the surface, which is exciting. You can just go find, it's a, you're winning the lottery <laughs> when you just pick out a random book from the shelf too. Yeah. And it's exciting. Yeah. Where even with COVID, there was book bundles to go where you can ask for five, surprise me, five books and you can pick them up from the library which is sort of like going in person and just picking books from the shelves. It's all about discovery and exploring mm -hmm. and really giving kids want to be in charge. They don't want to be told what to do. And it really doesn't matter what they're reading. I know there's like the ages for kids or grade level. I say don't pay attention to any of that because it discourages so many I even have seen parents say, oh, my, my kid's too old for that. They're not too old to experience joy with something that's fun for mm -hmm. them. I think just they get to have fun. Mm -hmm. They get to have fun in my therapy room because kids, when they're having fun and when they're playing, they're learning. Yes. And I think the library offers, and it's secret, I don't know. It's not secret learning because I see it, but they don't realize that that's what they're doing. Sure, sure. And you're you're generating a love of words and a love of just, you know, books become friends and mm -hmm. it provides all sorts of opportunities to learn. Now, your young daughter, obviously, I mean, you know, she wasn't reading, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you went to the children's section and turned her loose. Or did you walk around and say, Oh, look at this book? I mean, you know, did you do the therapist role? Or what? No, no, just turned her loose. It was just fun. Libraries were for fun, where we just so when she was really little, I mean, I did most of the picking of books that looked like they would be fun. But okay. usually I depended on the library. We were, you know, you're short for time, depending on how long it took to get there or what mood she's in when you get there, which all kids, they may want one book and want to go or have a meltdown and have to leave and maybe return on another day. But yeah, sometimes we try to make it when there was a story time or a music time, but that didn't always happen. And even if we did make it to those, 
we would end up doing something else, which is a good thing for families to know too. You can plan something and know that plans might change, but at least it's getting you there. Right. 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 Well, and it can be social time. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully we make it through COVID and then we can get back to being social. But yeah, but I could see even just interacting with that librarian that you see on a regular basis mm-hmm. and, and any other kids that come to story time all the time. It kind of becomes a routine and something that the kids would look forward to, I bet. Well, and you notice after school hours is kind of a time where more students are present in the library. And in the neighborhood, I know I've been, I've lived in, when I was living in Lincoln Heights, my neighbors lived in the same house. One was at a private school, one was at a public school, but then they would do things in the library together. So it gave time with family or other neighborhood kids that maybe didn't go to their same school, gave them something to do together, structured, where there's even, there are teen Dungeons and Dragons groups where, you know, you forget games are literacy based as well. There are directions they have to read. There are stories they have to read. They have to tell stories. And I just, we forget that such a big part of language learning is outside the therapy room that, you know, families are starved for tools. And we, it's so good that it's, it seems unreal that there's this place where you can go and just sit and read a book or just sit. And there might be a local astronomer that comes one day to look at the stars in the evening and you get excited about science because someone's visiting the library doing a little talk or just set up a telescope outside. Hmm. You never know what's going to happen or a ukulele lesson's happening. Or I started crocheting because of the library. There was a crochet group. There's a Scrabble group. You name it and it's happening and there's no cost. And even if it's something a student will try and then talk about, you're giving them world knowledge. Yes. You forget speech and language is a lot more than just repetition of words. It's, it's life in general. Sure it is. Yes. Right. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So do you work with parents, staying on parents here for a couple more minutes? Mm-hmm. Do you work with parents and say, okay, take the books home? And, you know, do you say, you know, what can we do with the books? You know, you read to your kids and then maybe have them point to the pictures or do you give them any kind of instructions or not instructions, but suggestions about how to keep that literacy ball rolling? I really just encourage joy to not work on the specifics. I think doing a whole, just sitting even, I even recommend to parents just get a book and read it aloud. Even if your child's doing something else, just read aloud. They're hearing your voice. They know that you're paying attention to them. They might look like they're not paying attention, but they'll come back around and maybe ask a question to make this reading time just even five, 10 minutes of your day. There's a picture that goes around the internet of of a dad reading a book on a, a subway and his son is sitting next to him reading as well. I saw that. And people are asking, yeah. yes, how, how do you get your child to read? Well, 
you have to ask yourself, well, what are you doing? Are you scrolling your phone? Which granted, you might be reading a book, but it's so much more helpful to have an actual book because it's confusing. So if you're not reading, your child's not reading. So going to the library isn't just getting books for or materials, a ukulele or something for your child. It's getting something for you. Get something you like to read. Kids mimic what we do, right? There's only so much you can tell a, a child, oh, reading is great. Reading is good. If you're not doing it, yeah, they're not going to do it. Probably not. <laughs> so reading is something you can do if you need a little quiet time. I tell parents, sit and just read. You know, turn the TV off. Just sit and read. You, that sparks conversation. Your, your child might say, what are you reading? And this is good for teens, for young adults, for other adults. When I we visit my parents, my daughter pretends to read the newspaper with my my dad, her grandpa, because he gets the LA Times. And so these joint readings, she asks him to read aloud what he's reading. So she's hearing things and she may not be interested, but then this joint reading goes into a joint writing. So she's making pretend newspapers or when she sees her grandma, my mom reading a book, she wants to make a book. So you forget how much children mimic what they see. Mm -hmm. And if we are on our phone or device, that's what they're going to do. So we have to lead by example, which is why I think it's so good that we, we go to the library and see, see what's happening. Because then I, I can tell my students, hey, I saw there's a teen council meeting coming up or they're making graphic novels. They're making comic books next week. You should go check it out. I mean, if you don't go, you, you don't know what to tell them and they don't realize what's available. I, I still don't realize what's available. So much is always going on, no matter where you live, no matter what city, what state, even what country you live in, libraries are everywhere. And I know we talked about that a little where these are universal tools and ubiquitous Print is everywhere. It's how we communicate. And by us not going to the library, I feel like, yes, there are lots of other things we do, but it's just such a simple tool and such a simple thing you can do maybe even once a week, even once a month. Just start it once a month. Mm -hmm. Just start small. First, like get your library card, which can mean go online, find where your local branches. You might even be able to get an e card and get. An ebook, which is a book, it's just the digital version, and the library will send it to your your iPad or your your cell phone. It's magic. They'll send it to you, or you get your physical card because it's the same thing. There are numbers on the back of your card that give you access on the website or when you go in, or even, I mean, it's beyond books. It's there are apps which I recommend to parents as well and other speech language pathologists and teachers where there's Hoopla and there's Overdrive and there's Libby. So Hoopla is where you can, it's an app you download, everyone can download it. And then you put in your, your number of your library card, whether that's digital, because you, you can see so those numbers on the back. You put in your numbers and you get access for free to download audiobooks or check out 
digital books or listen to audiobooks. I like to download them from my library card. You don't need Audible. You just need your library card. You don't have to pay for it. You Audible's fine if you want to add more books, yes. But you can download it to your phone and listen. Usually it's just your library card number and your PIN number, which most oftentimes is the last four digits of your phone number. They make it really easy. I think of the library card as the never-ending gift card. <laughs> and it's real. Like, And when you remind parents and other colleagues to use their library, you're giving them like access to their community, like beyond books where, I mean, I can read a list of other activities happening in the library that I just, if you look at your public library, I use LA Public Library as an example because that's the one I know the best, but I'm near Glendale and Burbank and Pasadena and LA County. And I have cards to each of these places. So I have like lots of gift cards <laughs> because you run out, you only have a certain amount each month. Oh. But the more library cards you get, you can like there's Canopy with a K, K N K A N O P Y. You watch documentaries. So is that there's an a app? great one right now is that about, an app? about stuttering? It's an app and it's a website. So these are websites and or apps, right? They're just the app version of right. the website. Right now with Canopy, you can watch, there's a great documentary about stuttering, When I Stutter, by, it was actually directed by one of the LA Unified School District therapists. You can watch it for free with your library card number. And it's, so it's not just Canopy, it's Overdrive, Libby, where you can download books, or Mango, which is where you can learn languages, or... Okay, so... So did I miss something? Is that library card number your mm -hmm. key to free? <laughs> I mean, are yes. some of these yes. other things, yes. do they have like subscriptions or they, they have a fee? But with your library number? Yes. So these programs are also subscription-based, a lot of them. Okay. But you bypass that okay. and you get five or 10 free a month Okay. with one card. Wow. Okay. And how do you know which apps to get onto or to utilize? So go on if like, if you, for example, LA Public Library, I put in Google LA Public Library, online resources, or okay, digital media, there's links in the e media. So right, know, electronic media, it lists every single app that you can access, you can read the New York Times, you can there's just, you can take Gale University, there's online university classes you can take. I mean, you can get your your high school diploma through lots of libraries, including LA Public Library. And I've worked with students who talk about, oh, their older sister didn't, didn't finish school because she was helping with the family. I say, you know, she, she can get her, her GED through the library and that gets them into the library and maybe possibilities for growth in the family. And there's, there's just, there's so many wondrous things that yeah, to help the students we work with and the families realize what they can do right there down the street from where they yes. live. Like, like you and your mom riding your bike, my mom would take my sister and I in the car 
to the Van Nuys branch where we grew up and we would get whatever books we wanted. I remember signing my name for the first time. Like there's all these experiences yes, that you get. Yes, I do too. <laughs> I remember that. I was just so proud of my library card. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a red letter day. I, re- I think the library had reptiles one day from the zoo. Just, you know, it's it's so much more than, you know, words on a page. Yeah. It's really, you're giving experiences, good experiences, yes. hopefully. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So let's bring this closer to home as our, to school. You are a public school speech language pathologist. How do you implement some of these things in your therapy? That's one question. Mm -hmm. Do you utilize the public libraries? Do you use the school? And I know some of them don't call them libraries. They call them media centers, Mm -hmm. but they're still libraries. Do you utilize the on-site library media center? Do you work with and talk with teachers about this type of thing? I mean, how do you do that in that school environment? That's a great question. So pre-COVID and COVID, yeah. I used to go in and read a book. That would be your, you can do a professional development without really letting them know you're doing a professional development. Because a lot of te- some teachers don't want someone coming into their classroom But a soft way is to do a book reading, which is you demonstrating, you know, expressive language where you're showing print, depending on the text and the punctuation, you change your voice, you're working on voice, or you could get stuck on words and you're showing how to get out of, you know, through fluency, where I get nervous and I sometimes fall on my words. And then you're, you know figurative language, all these things, and where you're reading a story aloud and asking the kids to say, do you have something like this at your home? Or what just happened? And people, you know, they're raising their hand, they're answering comprehensive questions. You're working on all these skills by doing something fun and regular, because this is something they do anyway. And I try to do that with the teachers. I What's hard with school libraries is a lot, a lot of at least elementary school libraries aren't funded well in California. Hmm. So we might have one a week, one day a week, which is another reason to really, I like working with a librarian. And I ask the kids when they're going to go to the library and to tell me about the book, bring the book with them. Tell me about what book they got to incorporate. Because librarians know a lot. I mean, part of our what we need to do as professionals is work with other professionals. And I talk to teachers, what books are you look, working on or what words are you working on? And I try to get books that have those words. So they're seeing it in another context. So there's lots of carryover going on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all working on similar things at the end of the day. Right, right. But the, the way ideal. we address them is different. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. On Zoom, you can do this on Zoom too, where I would work with a whole special day class and we would, I would work with the whole class. A lot of times having a book, either a a digital book or a physical book where, you know, it's getting them the literacy skills of just identifying, seeing print, like where your eyes are on print. There's a Judy Montgomery and Barbara Moore. I went to an ASHA conference where they were talking about literacy where so much 
is getting, you know, eyes on print to get them to get us all comfortable with print and to remind kids that they're code breakers. I tell kids they're superheroes. They get to learn how to learning to read is a superhero. I know that's I did not make that up, but it gets kids excited that they get to they're translating they're code break. They all know what coding is. And those are things you can do at the library, too. There's coding classes where they get together, you know, there's even pen pal workshops that get kids, I mean, to socialize with other kids, but and in writing. And I, I tell lots of kids, we can even, we make our own little books called zines, like magazines, it's short for magazine. It's a little, and there are zine libraries where you can make a book and actually have it be part of your library branch where other people can check out your zine. So you're having so there's a written communication part where you can do art and writing and getting these these literacy concepts to be fun. Sure. You know, I guess that's our job to make this all fun and to trick them. Yeah, to, yeah they want it <laughs> into learning. Inviting, sure, sure, we yes. do exactly. So you kind of sound like the library resource person. Do you send? information like, okay, there's going to be the reptiles down at the library next week. Do you ever email, you know, like to your parents or the the teachers or anything? That might be kind of a nice outreach kind of thing that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, I mean, I don't know. I know people get tired of emails, but I laugh because I always, I'm always someone saying, are there any tickets left to this? And they say, oh, all the tickets are left because, you know, people don't go, they forget. You know, all these amazing events are happening. Someone from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory here in, you know, Pasadena, Los Angeles is talking about stars, but no one knows it's happening because it really doesn't seem real, but it is. So sometimes I do let parents know, you know, on Thursdays, there's a read to dogs happening either in person or online, which is a great way for kids to read without any judgment. And it's cool. Anything with, you know, pet related. So what does that mean? It's grab a book and grab your dog and you sit there and read to your doggie? Yeah. Or when they're in person, a therapy dog comes in and you can practice reading aloud to the dog. You know, there could be a a bunch of kids just reading at the same time to the dog. Okay. It's getting where it's not, you're not saying, oh, you read that wrong. You're just letting them read. You're letting them make mistakes and remembering how fun it was yeah. to read to this dog. Yeah. And that'll just give you inspiration and motivation to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I try to remind families and teachers what's happening. Yeah. So do libraries, public libraries, you know, have like a month in advance kind of thing so that you can see their calendar? Mm-hmm. A lot of them have upcoming events. If you put in your, you know, go into, I I keep saying Google, but whatever search engine, put in your local public library that comes up, there'll be upcoming events and you could click on that. And then that usually gives you related events. And there's so many, there's a LA Los Libros festival coming up that's online this year. I think it's the September 24th and 25th where there's book readings by authors and illustrators reading books in English and Spanish. 
So you're getting to meet authors and illustrators and hearing their stories of how they, you know, some writers didn't read well when they were kids and kids, you know, they need to hear that and they need to see people who look like them. They need to hear stories that relate to their lives. And we can do that by meeting people in your community. And yeah, branching out, I really think branching out of the therapy room is necessary. Yes, yes. For carryover and for for the parents and families to buy in for free. Yes. So at your IEP meetings or your eligibility meetings, I know there's all different terms, but do you plant this seed and you say, you know, I am a super fan of the library and, you know, I'll be sending home or, or if you want to know, you know, here's the, you just gave us, you know, the, the website and what you look for and download the calendar or print it out or something. Do you plant those seeds for the parents? I mean, yes. when do you do that? And I give them the actual website. Okay. I will tell them the exact address of where it is. I will give them examples. I usually get language samples for assessments with wordless books. I love wordless yes. books because especially the book Chalk. Ah, okay. Where you're getting all this language and they're getting structure because they see the picture. So they're giving you a story. And I can tell the parent about how excited their, their child was describing these pictures and knowing that they can do the same thing. They can probably find the same book or something similar and have that same experience. And I, I give them ideas of things they can do with wordless books, like get little sticky notes, make up your own story. What are they saying? And it's just, you're reminding them that to have fun and play with their kids mm -hmm. and that they will learn that way. And having a fun outing with mom or grandpa or their uncle every Tuesday or whatever. Yep. Something to look forward to or something to talk about. It's an event. There's just so many skills associated with all of these activities. You know, I would think that maybe Saturday is a big day at the library. I would think, you know, people are working and they come home and they've got to do homework and blah, blah, blah. I mean, are Saturdays usually kind of a, you know, busy day and a day that has activities going on at the library? Is that a popular day or no? Is it mostly in the evening? No, it's, it's, it's all time. Yeah, all the There's time. a lot of, for younger kids, it's earlier in the okay. morning. There's sometimes even pajama story times <laughs> where kids can come to the library at seven o'clock in their pajamas <laughs> or do it on Zoom at night. Okay. There are star read. There's there are volunteers that help you read. I mean, there are people. There are lots of volunteers wow. in the library. <sighs> but yeah, Saturdays there even there can sometimes be puppet shows like at Downtown Central Library in Los Angeles. <sighs> there, I mean, you can make a day of it. There's a Chinese restaurant downstairs. There's a library store. You can buy gifts. There's a theater where you can. There's a, a maker space where you can 3D print the Octavia Lab downtown LA. So what is, what is that 3D space? So based on Octavia Butler, who was an avid LA Public Library user, okay. this lab is named after her where, you know, science fiction and you can, there are 3D printers, there are 
I'm not even thinking of all the things you can do. You can reserve a time and you can learn how to, there's someone there that can help you and you can, you can do, you know, STEAM activities, science, technology, art, math, engineering. They're making these things, you know, they all relate where kids talk about movies and get the book that it's based off of. And then let's talk about it. Wow. There's just. There are so many connections, you know, we're all so, we're just connected and the library helps us, you know, utilize those connections and make those connections and inspire kids to want to communicate with other people. Sure. So is each library activity different? I mean, are there libraries that you kind of veered toward because of the number and the type of activities and things that they were offering? Or is there a big, you know, library that (laughs) says, okay, everybody, we're doing this on Tuesday night? (laughs) Or is every library different? Honestly, it's every library is different. I really recommend going to the one closest to your house. Start there. And then I really do think the library, any, whatever's closest to your home or your work, some of the bigger branches, maybe the regional branches may have kits they give out, like art kits for kids to pick up where you can make a hanging butterfly out of paper, where you're doing activities, you know, with directions. You're working on all these skills and they're giving you the tools. And it's the same with schools, right? I've been in lots of different schools. They're all the same, but very different. And it's the same with branches. It depends on the librarians that are there or the community involvement or funding or all those things, which are true for any of us. That makes total sense. Total sense. So is there any specific, you know, one or two specific things? And you've given us lots of things to think about and to access and do in our therapy. But is there anything that you feel is just a really good language activity for, let's say, this, you know, third, fourth, fifth grader level? For language kids. I really think wordless books and graphic novels or comics book style books are so wonderful to have them in your room, to recommend them. And if you don't know which ones to recommend, you can ask a librarian. They will know, depending on what a student likes, what they might be into, to have them just, and to really just choose what they want, to really whatever sparks their interest, Mm -hmm. you really want to create a joyous interaction, right? It's a communication opportunity, all based on fun and surprise learning, I guess. Yes, yes. Well, and I'm with you. I, I love using books in therapy and, and so on. But I love books where you can do movement kinds of things. And, you know, interactive and, you know, I would do echo reading, where I would read and mm-hmm. I'd say, oh, I really need help reading this, you know, and then I'll say part of mm-hmm. a phrase, and then they say it back to me. And in that's getting, and I can use that for articulation, or I could use it for certain grammatical structures that I'm trying to emphasize, or maybe that's an entree into a multiple meaning word, or whatever, whatever. But yes, I think echo reading is one of the best things you can I do. I think so too. Because you're giving them the language. So if they might not be sure of what they're reading, they're hearing it. So then even if they're not able to read it themselves, they, they can repeat what you mm-hmm. said. 
And so they're practicing and they're doing articulation with all the sounds that they're saying, with the fluency, with the punctuation. Yeah, it's in context. Even doing voices of a different yes. character. Yes. Which intonation. There's a whole other thing pitch. with theater. Yes. And- yes, love it. Absolutely love it. Oh, my goodness sakes. Yes. Oh, yes. Language therapy is fun. It absolutely is fun. And I know that there's a certain level of drill for some kids that can be, you know, beneficial. But I love that more naturalistic involvement type of therapy activity where it's an experience. Yeah. Because the family can then mimic it at home and use the same book mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure that there's people that are going to say, well, how do you take data on that? And, you know, using the same book does help. And, you know, you know your kids and there's the kids that need help, you know, with enhancing their vocabulary or working on the multiple meaning words or working on vocabulary and definitions or, or, or. And I'm thinking that you could probably plant those seeds and know from time to time to time if they're improving or not. Oh, yeah. You know, you get a language sample at the beginning of the year with a book. Yep. Use the same book. Six months later, see what kind of story they tell you that time and see how their language has grown or their articulation. There are so many ways of secretly assessing, but not really letting them know that that's what you're doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's um, repetition is great. It just, I could go on and on about books. And that is not all what I use, but it's just, it really is my main go-to. Sure. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. I can change my therapy materials every week or every month, every three weeks. Mm-hmm. Something really resonates, I can get it again. It just depends. Sure, sure. Or tell the student, go get it. I just returned it down the street. Maybe you can get Ooh, it. Ooh, there week. you go. That's a good suggestion, too. Ooh, mm-hmm. good. Oh, Megan. Okay. All right. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much. You are Miss Library. I mean, you know, of course, you went to 73 of them. You and your daughter went to 73 of them. And you're saying, you said to me the other day that your daughter, she just went into kindergarten. Is that right? Mm -hmm. She did. So she's five years old now. She's still not reading, but she's recognizing letters and can write her name, Sure, you know? Yeah. She does ask to go to the library. So instilling that love just helps all those skills grow in a fun, natural way. It's a great foundation. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your great, I can't call it material, but it's, it's, it's amazing resource so that you can access a gazillion materials so that you can apply it in your therapy or help the parents to apply it at home. And I think that is a huge piece. I'm thinking that's something that I miss the boat on. Okay, if I were back in the schools, I would share this piece with my parents, every parent, even I would write something up or maybe send out a mass emailing or something, something so that I give teachers a copy of there's a book for that by Sherry Robertson. And I staple a map from our school to the closest library and give them how to get your library card. Like You need some, you, sometimes you just need a nudge. Yes. And it's not like you don't know that the library exists, but you forget. You just need reminded. Yeah. It's no big deal. 
And I meet a lot of people in their 40s like me who don't have a library card and want to know how to get one. So we go and get one and no one's going to shame you. No one, no one cares. Just go get one today. Yeah. It's no big deal. There you deal. go. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Ooh. Thank you, Megan. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. having me. Also, I hope people yes. go to my publiclibrarydjourney.com. Oh, yes, please do. Please do. Please do. And you know what? I also wanted to mention here that you have an interview that you were interviewed by the Los Angeles Public Library. And all of you, Google in Los Angeles Public Library. This mom is visiting all 73 library branches. And it was the December 22nd 2017 issue or whatever and it's online and it has a video and you can see Megan there responding to the questions and so on sitting there in the library so I thought that was with Riley with Riley just a year and a half mm -hmm. oh my gosh uh, that's that's pretty special yeah well thank you so much I just hope everyone goes and renews their library card sure well, I'm going to go. Well, I have one already. I mean, I one of the first things I did when we moved here <laughs> was I went out and found the library. And we're in a little town, but we've got this big, gorgeous library. And I was like, oh, I hit the jackpot. <laughs> so I love it. I want to travel the world by visiting public libraries. There's libraryplanet.net, where it's a crowdsourced travel guide, really, for libraries all over the planet. Oh, my gosh. And you can, when I went out of town. I went to the library. You know, you forget. You can do that anywhere you go. Anywhere Girl, you go. Look what you started. <laughs> I love oh. it. I love it. Well, thank you. All right. Well, I kind of need to wrap up here, but I do want to thank everybody for being here and for tuning in and for continuing to get the word out about the SpeechLink podcast. As you know, it's visual here at SpeechTherapyPD.com. It hasn't always been, but now it's visual. And you can get your CEUs and also learn your practical information. And in a few days, the audio version, the audio-only version of this episode will be available for free and all the popular podcast apps like Apple Podcast and TuneIn and Podbean, etc. So tell your friends or go back and listen to it again. And I greatly appreciate all your positive comments and your, your reviews and your support. And as you may know, the SpeechLink meets every other Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And next time we meet is September 23rd, same time. And Dr. Brian Jick will share an evidence-based practice podcast within our Research Studies and Strategies episodes called Posture, the Missing Piece in Speech Production. I really like his research. He is the one where I gleaned the phrase lateral margin, you know, bracing of the tongue for a lot of our speech sounds. So he's the one that wrote those bracing articles, okay? So he's going to be with us in a couple of weeks. That's going to be pretty fun. And as you already know, just log into your speechtherapypd.com account, take the quiz, do the eval, and print out your certificate. And do know, everybody, do know that you are greatly appreciated, and I appreciate all that you do for your therapy kids. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, Megan. Bye. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled you tuned into the speech link. I hope it was helpful. Just leave a quick review and subscribe to be part of a select group that receives every episode. For CEUs, go to speechtherapypd.com. And for everything else, visit sharpochart.com. There's free materials, articles, books, and my blog, 
Therapy Matters. Thank you for all you do. See you next time.